Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, everybody? We're back. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 49 on this Thursday, January the 11th, 2024. Josh Calloway, Colin Kennedy with you on a Thursday some things have happened in college football that are having ripple effects all over America. We'll talk about that a little bit on the program today. Transfer portal staying hot. Some big name targets that we'll get into. Colin, tell you guys the latest about where Oklahoma stands on some of that stuff. We're also going to recap his trip in San Antonio a little bit last week and some good old fashioned recruiting news at the high school level to get into as well. CK man. Wild times. Nick Saban retired yesterday. It's all over the place. I'm wearing my Orange Bowl, my 2018 Orange Bowl polo, uh, quarter zip, in honor of uh, Coach Saban. Wild times, man. College football is uh, changing rapidly out here. Yeah, it's definitely one of those times right now where you're trying to formulate the story as far as, like, where were you when Nick Saban retired? And everyone's got their own little unique way of of honoring the GOAT. First off, congrats to him, obviously. And we'll get into all this. But yeah, yeah I like the I like the subtle touch, man. I mean, I, I'm just being a nonsensical bum wearing my Preds <laughs> quarter zip, just showing up for the good times. But I like the Orange Bowl. I'll say this. One of the funniest things I saw last night, all right, it's speaking of honoring and saving. We're talking recruiting. We're about to jump into all that. I saw a recruit put out <laughs> in honor of Nick Saban my 4-3 at Alabama camp, and just a video of him running a 40-yard dash. And I was like, never skip a beat, guys. Love it. Any, any chance you can get out there, fellas. So, yeah, wild times. There's a lot going on, but that's what you signed up for this time of year in college. Absolutely. And like we said, we will talk about the Oklahoma angle of that because when right. something like that happens, it's so big, it affects every other big program there is including Oklahoma. So we'll talk about the ripple effects of what Nick Saban, his retirement, could have on the Sooners a little later on in the program. But, uh, CK, let's start with San Antonio. Uh, You were in San Antonio last week, the All-American Bowl. Um, You're there. A couple of you guys played in the game. That's not really the whole reason you're there, obviously. You have the combine going on as well. Why don't you kind of just get into your trip down there to, to San Antonio and, I guess, what was the noteworthy aspect of it for Oklahoma fans to take away uh, from your time down there? Yeah, look, first off, obviously we touched on this last time you and I were together. The All-American Bowl partnered with 24-7 Sports. We get to go down there, be on the field for all the practices and all that. And The bowl game was expecting roughly five Oklahoma signees to partake. Really only two went through the week of festivities. Taylor Tatum showed up on game day, but was kind of hanging out on the sidelines. And so, yeah, that was obviously the day that I was breaking the news that Michael Tarquin had finalized his transfer temporarily. We'll get into that. But (laughs) Taylor Tatum hung out. Zion Raggins, I thought through the whole week down there in San Antonio, really liked what he brought to the table. He was kind of going through practices as the starting slot receiver for the East team. He looked really good. I thought he was just kind of a glider. My first time seeing him in person, Josh. So 
it's it's always kind of cool when you get to see guys that are joining the program that you really don't have a ton of familiarity with. Yeah. And then the same can be said for James Nesta, who was playing inside backer for the East team as well. Very convenient for me that all of the, the OU guys were on the same squad, all two of them. And James was was looking really good. I believe he was in the reserve role, kind of the first off the bench inside linebacker for the East team. Got to see him move around a little bit, got to evaluate the frame. It's kind of an interesting dynamic, Josh, as you know, when you're part-time linebacker and part-time high-level pitcher on the mound. Like, how does that work from a frame perspective? So I got to see him move around a little bit. The biggest thing, though, like, is obviously the National Combine, like I talked about last podcast. That, to me, is the biggest aspect of the whole week. Like, you know the guys are going. But the National Combine allows us to evaluate guys that are on the up. And there there are a lot of dudes down there who I thought really impressed from Jamie French, who I was in charge of doing the wide receiver DB evaluations for our national team during the Combine. I, I, I went in there with Hudson Standish, one of our scouting guys. We were monitoring the wide receiver and DBs. And I we were both like, to Director of Scouting Andrew Ivins, did Jamie French is sunning everybody right now. I don't even know how we don't. So he was incredible to watch. But then, you know, there are a lot of guys that I think are noteworthy if you're an Oklahoma fan that were out there from maybe a Ryland Morris, a 2026 running back in the area who had a really good day. But then kind of some of the names I wanted to throw out there. The beauty of it is before the combine, because we're partnered with the bowl game and all that, they, they set us up in our own little private room. Mm. and they bring the guys in, and you get to sit down with them one-on-one for however long you want to and just talk. You can interview them. You can you know, shoot the crap with them. You can just talk about whatever. And some of the guys that I got to talk to, I got some really insightful conversations that are coming to the site. First and foremost, I want to lead off with Kamori Moore, the defensive tackle commit in 2025 yeah. out of Lee Summit North. I sat down with him for like 15 minutes in the room, and – we were just talking, and I think first off, of note, he dominated during the combine. I mean, he, he to me, is someone who I believe is going to contend for a fourth star as long as it continues to track going into his senior season. I think the advantage that Kamori has is he constantly showcases, even as a guy who's around six foot one, maybe 295 pounds, up to 300 pounds, that he has that penetration ability. He can attack inside gaps. He He's a very solid pass rusher, even at his size. So Kamori Moore, to me, was, was really cool to watch. But then talking to him, Kamori talked a lot about how he's very aware of all the stuff that OU fans talk about on social media, whether that's Williams Winery, <laughs> Caden Green, Isaiah Mosey, all these dudes that he's around and the dynamic that that creates and some of the negative storylines that he unfairly kind of gets thrown into, even though he's an OU commit. Yeah. And he just talked to me about how like he doesn't see a better fit from a coaching perspective for him. Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates are, are exactly what he wants in position coaches. Brent Venables idealizes a lot of the same concepts that, are important to Kamori. And so we talked a lot about how he handles that and things of that nature. So it was cool to talk to him. There were some other guys that I sat down with that were really cool. I'm going to put together a notes package on all this, plus 
individual interviews. But the other guy I really wanted to talk to uh, our viewers about is Austin Pay, who's the offensive tackle out of the state of Utah, if I remember correctly. And, and this is why I wanted to talk about him. So Austin, he's like 6'7", 290 already as a junior in high school. Legit size, really like down-to-earth kid. You can tell he's he's been raised correctly. Like he, yeah. he knows how to handle himself. Well, the, the unfair thing that Austin Pay is dealing with that Oklahoma fans themselves may not actually know, but is very relevant, is that Austin Pay is kind of unrightfully facing an assumption regarding his recruitment. His brother is a starting offensive lineman at BYU. He has another brother who is going to BYU. And he is an offensive lineman in the state of Utah who is Mormon. And everyone just has been saying, this kid's going to go to BYU, be with his brothers, all that stuff. And I, 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 I'm going to write about this, and I'm going to transcribe our whole interview and, and publish this for OU fans. But he, he literally sat down. One of the first things he said to me was like, I kind of hate what everyone's saying about me. Like, it's not fair to me. And he took me through like, he actually, in his mind, believes it might be better for him to go elsewhere and branch out from the path that's already been carved hypothetically because he he wants to be developed as an offensive line. He wants to explore options that are going to better him on the field as best as possible. And BYU is certainly an option for that. We know the offensive lines that they put together out there. But that's why, for example, he visited Oklahoma at the end of the season for that TCU game that was wild. He mentioned to me it was nuts in the stands trying to gauge all of that offensive action. He likes Oregon a lot. He likes UCLA a lot. And he made it clear to me, like Oklahoma especially, the relationship he has with Bill Bedenboe and Brent Venables. He sat down with Brent in his office for a very long time during his visit, I believe. Like Austin Pay is kind of a guy I think Oklahoma fans need to know a little bit more about. And I'm going to write about him here pretty soon. But it was a very – it was it was one of those memorable conversations you have with a recruit where he kind of out of the blue – lays out some pretty deep, intriguing stuff. And now it's like, okay, how does this impact Oklahoma's standing, for example, with a guy who's a lot more open-minded than other people are saying you should be led to believe he is? Yeah, good good stuff there for Oklahoma, especially going back to, to Kamori Moore, because like you said, uh, fair – it's not fair. Unfairly, um, when, you know, Williams and Wary makes his decision, Kane Green hops in the portal – you know, a lot of fans are going to look at that commitment and be like, that's got to be shaky. I mean, everybody that he, all his buddies are leaving and going to Missouri. Obviously, Nwari was never at Oklahoma, but was an Oklahoma target. Kane Green Portals goes over there. But to hear him kind of offer that reassurance of, no, Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis, those are the guys for me. That's a good feeling. And like you said, um, I was keeping up with, you know, your videos and things like that while you were down there. He looked great uh, there in San Antonio. Yeah. So he's going to be a fun player here uh, down the road for Oklahoma. And I also thought, too, it was really cool. He said, I'm very close with a lot of guys on the roster. He said, yeah. Grayson Holton, Isaiah Coe, some of the other defensive tackles. I believe he mentioned DeJon Terry's name as well. Him or Jacob Lacey. He said, I'm not only very close with my coaches, but with those players. Mm. When you have a guy who's willing to invest in relationships that are already in place in Norman, I hate to say it, but that's not always something that's very common with recruits. But it's 
very prevalent when it comes to Kamori Moore, and you can just kind of tell he's he's very invested, despite some of the storylines that surround him a little bit unjustly. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll keep an eye out for uh, Colin to get some uh, further stuff on the site, obstacleclimb.247sports.com, soon as illustrated from his time there in San Antonio. Some stuff that you've already had, you've been all over, obviously Transfer Portal. it's uh, It dominates the convo just about every single show right now, and for good reason. A lot of guys I want to pick your brain on, but let's start with the known commodity. We'll, we'll go with the uh, most recent OU pickup. They've been on a heater in the portal that kept going early this week. Jake Roberts, who we've talked about before, talked about him last week on the show, mentioned briefly on Monday that he had you know visited and Oklahoma felt they were in a good place there moving toward landing him. They did earlier this week from Baylor, uh, previously at North Texas. Obviously, Seth Luttrell connection there was his coach in Denton with the Mean Green. Colin, what does the get mean for Oklahoma bringing Jake Roberts in? And, you know, that tight end room is, you know, really interesting. It's going to be a very yeah. kind of fun battle to keep an eye on because, like we said many times, Vaughn Mitchell's come in. He's a stud. He's a freak of nature. But he's just a kid. He's going to be a true freshman and a guy reclassified. You already brought in Bauer Sharp. Is Jake Roberts tight end one, you think, maybe next year? Where does he fit in here in this tight end room for Joe John Finley? I think if you look at it, and this is why it's so fascinating. The tight end rotation going into next season is both incredibly deep and wildly green when you consider all factors. Devon mm -hmm. Mitchell's technically going to be a senior in high school next year. <laughs> as, as someone who could legitimately earn every down snaps as a freshman, he should be a senior in high school. Then you look at Bauer Sharp, what, 6'5", 245 to 55 pounds, played quarterback, freak of nature type from southeastern Louisiana, but he's got to adjust from, what, the FCS level to the FBS Power 5 SEC level as a tight end, and a guy who's only been playing tight end, if I remember correctly, a year or two. So yeah, the two dudes you had in place – there's a lot to like on paper, but it's all got to come together for both of them. And Jake Roberts, you're bringing him home to Norman, Oklahoma. He played at Norman North High. I thought in high school he was a very solid prospect. Colorado offered, Memphis offered. He ended up picking North Texas, at one time committed to Tulsa. And he went to college, Josh, and I thought he got a lot better at some of the stuff that I felt he needed to improve upon in the high school ranks. He catches the ball far better than he did in high school. He moves well, and he still got all the size that made him jump out on a high school football field. I mean, in, in high school at Norman North High, Josh, he was like 6'4", 245 pounds already. He was, he was a big dude. And yeah. so he goes to Baylor. He gets more experience at the Power 5 level. And now I think you look at Jake Roberts, and I seriously don't know if you dive into this, who's better to take over those tight end one snaps right now. Because you look at him, he's played on an every-down basis, basically, at North Texas. He's played a lot at Baylor. He's played under Seth Luttrell, like you mentioned. And on top of those other two tight ends, having a lot that they need to get done from a developmental standpoint. There's still an entire offensive room that's got to learn a new system, Josh. Like, they're going to be teaching Seth Luttrell's mm -hmm. offense to these guys, 
And Jake Roberts is probably going to be like the one dude in the room that's like, next slide, next slide. Bro. Yeah, I know point. this. And I think when you when you throw that dude out there on the field, I'm not sitting here and telling you that Jake Roberts is going to be your starting tight end for every game of the season. But early on, like, I think you're bringing in Jake Roberts because he can put his hand in the dirt. He can be your two-point H-back type. I don't know about him in the slot a bunch as much as like a Bauer Sharper or Devon Mitchell, but the bottom line is he's going to know how to run these plays, and he's going to know how to run these plays against the caliber of competition that Oklahoma is getting ready to face. Now, I, again, I think Jake Roberts, if you want to sit here and say, okay, but is his ceiling as high as the other guys, we can have a debate on that. Yeah. But for right now, I mean, Jake Roberts is everything that Oklahoma needs in their effort to overhaul that tight end room. And I seriously think that if he has a good spring, this is the guy that's starting for you at least early on in the year at tight end because of his familiarity, experience, and overall talent level that he's put together. No, it's a good point, you know, because you think of when, you know, two years ago, Jeff Levy comes in and had Dylan Gabriel. I'm not, you know, obviously it's different when it's the quarterback you're talking about, but DG helped kind of get things along because he had played for Jeff Levy before. You know, there were stories about him shouting out the protections for the offensive line and stuff like that because he, I know this. I already did this. Jake Robertson kind of be that to maybe a lesser extent for Oklahoma next year. The fact that he has already played for Seth and kind of will have an idea of what they're trying to accomplish. Um, helping kind of move everybody along and not just that tight end room, but across the offense is kind of an underrated aspect. Yeah, you're right of uh, – bringing him in. so and, and the other part of this, too, is we have to consider it. It, it. it does feel minute because he's a tight end. But if you're truly going to emphasize the tight end position more mm -hmm. in this new system, okay, who better to get those guys along in a new look system that's prioritizing that position more than someone like Jake Roberts? So if you really kind of scale it all together, like his role is going to be incredible incredibly important if they're actually going to throw the ball to the tight end more often. So he can not only execute it early on in the season, but his ability to get those guys prepared for more footballs coming their direction, I, I think it's a huge impact across the board. And, and oh, by the way, I still think he's a pretty darn good football player. Yeah, and then, of course, also, which we've mentioned before, it doesn't hurt your chances to maybe get his younger brother into town uh, down yeah. the road as well. Nate Roberts, of course, he plays over there at Washington right now. Um, absolute monster. Does it have any impact? If anything, it's positive. I mean, it can't hurt your chances, right? So uh, we'll keep an eye on that too. So Jake Roberts, nice get here for Oklahoma in the portal. It's been a really good portal class. They're not done. More names you're keeping an eye on. I want to pick your brain on. Uh, obviously, offensive line has been just the the major. This has been the, the portal season off offensive line when it comes for Oklahoma. The guys they lost, the guys they're trying to bring in. Some big names there that we'll get into in just a second. But let's first start, I think, uh, with a fun one here, Casey Thompson. This is a name that's been floating around. Oklahoma fans are certainly more than familiar with. He's played against Oklahoma multiple times by way of Texas, by way of Nebraska. Was at Florida Atlantic last year. Obviously, he's an OU legacy. He's an Oklahoma kid. Played high school football here. He seems on paper to be the perfect backup option for Jackson Arnold. Is this a real thing, Colin? Do you expect Oklahoma? And, and as we're recording this, you know, who knows? Maybe every time this goes out, we have some news on this front. 
But where do you feel like Oklahoma is? And could he really be playing his seventh season of college football in Norman next year? Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, obviously I'm sure Oklahoma fans were familiar with the fact that he played at Texas, he played at Nebraska, and then he transfers to FAU. And I think he had a good first few games of the season. And then I believe after week three for the Owls, he tears his ACL and goes down for the year. And then is granted a medical hardship waiver by the NCAA, meaning he has one more season to play college football. Hits the transfer portal. And I think when you look at the landscape, yes, there are a lot of places who would probably welcome Casey Thompson's services as a starting quarterback. But does Casey want to play at a FAU-type program to close out his career? Or does he want to come home? Does he want to play at the place that his dad also played quarterback? Does he want to take, take his career to Norman, potentially, and benefit from kind of that nostalgia factor? Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, you would be the first dude off the bench in the SEC while a true sophomore quarterback is learning the ropes. We'll see how this goes, but I think Oklahoma is selling every aspect of this perfectly. I think for Casey, it would make a lot of sense. I personally would not blame him if he were to take a step back and say, hold on, like, I'm a quarterback for a reason. There's only one of us on the field at one time. Yeah. Maybe I should legitimately start exploring options here. But for the time being, like, I think Casey Thompson in Oklahoma is a very realistic partnership that makes a lot of sense on both fronts. So we're going to see if they can get this done. OU has been in contact with Casey. I think there have been a lot of exploratory conversations between the two. And if it comes together perfectly, who knows? I mean, this this could kind of be one of the more fun storylines surrounding Oklahoma going into next season as, as the son of Charles comes home. But, we, again, we got a little bit of a ways to go here. You can still kind of move around and explore your options because of some of the enrollment deadlines and things of that nature. So Casey is, is going to be able to sort through a lot of options and who knows? He he feels like someone who legitimately could end up saying, you know what, I'm going to go back to the state of Oklahoma and I'm going to go ahead and create my own legacy in the Sooner State. It's a perfect fit, at least on paper. And, um, you know, I mean, Oklahoma fans recognize that right away. I mean, whenever he hopped in the port, there was a lot of OU fans who on our message board everywhere that said immediately, like, wouldn't this guy be a perfect guy to, to bring in seventh year cultural ball veteran the only hurdle was really is he okay with not being a, the starter because obviously Jackson yeah. Arnold is going to be that guy next year but if that's the way this goes to have a veteran like that he's played in lots of big games at Texas and Nebraska um I mean you know is Casey Thompson an NFL quarterback obviously probably not but Jackson Arnold goes down you know, and you got to go play Auburn this week or you got to go play South Carolina at home this week, whatever, he can win you that football game. It, it's a great backup plan if, if that's the way that this goes. So we'll keep an eye on it. Be sure to subscribe to Oklahoma247sports.com. We'll let you know how it's going. And uh, obviously we'll have it on the site whenever he does make his announcement uh, official, if that's the way 
this goes. And like we said, it feels like Oklahoma's in a good good shape here. You never know till it's done. And so we'll, we'll uh, keep an eye on it. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. So, like I said, offensive line is uh, a major talking point. Oklahoma's been very active. You mentioned Michael Darkwin. They picked him up. The Betchy Nawewu from North Texas. Spencer Brown was the start of this thing for Michigan State way back when. They've had more guys visiting. The big one that everybody's been asking about is Lance Hurd, the former five-star prospect from LSU. He was in town this week, right? What, what's the latest? Because everybody's all over this one. This is the high-profile uh, recruitment that's going on for Oklahoma fans right now that everybody's dialed into. What, what's the what's the latest? How are you feeling like Oklahoma stands right now? Yeah, I man, this stuff is is something. Um, <laughs> I, I I think that obviously, like our network, it was pretty cool. Our network featured my intel on her, and I. I tried to cover this thing from every angle. And it's, it's again, kind of the nature of the transfer portal. You get all this intel. You throw all this stuff down on the table. You lay this thing out for fans. And at the end of it, you just got to go, and I don't know what's happening next. You know? Yeah, like, right. So here's the thing. Out of the weekend, objectively, I think everyone knows, the, the belief was that Oklahoma and Tennessee were going to do battle here. And he had visited Knoxville. That trip went very well. But he left that trip, and I had been told by sources, like, look, he likes Tennessee, but he's still open to exploring. And Hurd is a massive fan of Bill Beatonville. I know there are some fans that don't want to hear that. Heaven forbid a really good offensive lineman likes <laughs> Bill Beatonville. But he loves Bill Beatonville and that track record he has of development. And I think, you know, I noted this on the board, Josh, and, like, I don't want to dance around it. Tennessee is notoriously known for being one of the best, if not the best in the country, at securing lucrative name, image, and likeness deals for its players. They were, like, one of the very first collectives and things of that nature to become elite at what they do. Mm -hmm. Tennessee does a great job of taking care of their guys. But I think it says a lot about Hurd and his perspective on Oklahoma and Bill Beatonbow that he went through that visit. Tennessee is a great football program. Tennessee takes a lot of stuff very seriously off the field. It's a great situation in Knoxville, let's be honest. Yeah. And Hurd still said, I want to go check out Oklahoma. Visit went well. Then it wraps up, and you hit this little dead period here that kind of gives you like a week off, basically. And everyone's like, okay, I, I got a text saying, thinking either, if not early in the week, probably by the weekend. And then, of course, the Ole Miss rumors start to drum up. This is, why, this, is, this is why, again, it's like the transfer portal, man. What the hell are we doing? Because anytime Ole Miss gets mentioned, I immediately have to go, I don't know. You know, I don't know how this is going to go. Now, Ole Miss is bringing in like three transfer portal offensive tackles, if I remember correctly. But the thing is, is I don't know of another program in college football, period, that is recruiting the transfer portal better 
than Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. And when you take that into consideration and you you know that Hurt is wanting to play in the SEC, he probably wants to play left tackle. I'm sure that Ole Miss is going to have one heck of a pitch for him if his visit happens. Now, I've heard that that would potentially happen like on Friday or, or maybe even Saturday. Mm. But here we go. We kind of hit this waiting game because – I think Oklahoma and Tennessee both were like, all right, we're feeling really good. He kind of has indicated to both of us that he wants to get this done quick. Let's see what he's about to say. And then all of a sudden, the old Miss cloud, Josh, it's kind of funny. At one point, some people I, I was texting on the Oklahoma side, the Tennessee side, even just people that I'm, I'm talking to in the world of the transfer portal, they were like, no way. That Ole Miss is even a part of this. It's it's Oklahoma and Tennessee. Ole Miss doesn't have a shot. And all of a sudden, I texted somebody and I was like, "Look, man, I'm hearing a lot of Ole Miss rumors." <laughs> and they hit me back, "Yeah, it's a thing." So, I think that's kind of the next step here with Lance Hurd. If you don't know why everyone in America is going to want to try and get him, no matter how many offensive tackles, as Josh mentioned, he's a former five star believe he finished top 16 in the country so it's not like he was 32 I mean he was one of the yeah. elite of the elite he's 6'6 340 pounds I mean the, the guy is a freak show so I think the next steps with Lance Hurd again see what happens with Ole Miss you gotta anticipate whenever that visit gets done and transfer guys get their visits done in like a day you figure after that He's probably going to want to make the final call. So I'm hoping we hear more on this herd front and potentially the, the timeline kind of takes us through the weekend and maybe he makes a final call around that time. It's important to note too, you know, you say former five-star and I think maybe some people who aren't real familiar probably think he's a five. He was once a five-star that didn't pan out or something, but one year at LSU, he, he's, he's one year removed from being that five-star. So he's got his whole career in college, essentially, still in front of him. Um, so you're talking about a guy for multiple years of eligibility that is a plug-and-play future star. I mean, NFL, all, all that. And uh, that's what you're chasing right now. And you want to talk about, you know, softening the blow of losing a guy like that in Caden Green? That's right. how you do it. Everybody will will long be forgotten if that's, you know, if you can find a way to secure, uh, obviously, Hurd. It's, it's a great note by you because our own Matt Zenitz reported. So, again, Oklahoma fans, this is another thing you got to think about. Oh, he's a former five-star. Well, he wants to play offensive tackle. That's his position. LSU has two sophomore going-to-be-junior tackles at both yeah. spots. He would prefer to play left. Oh, well, Will Campbell, who is another former five-star that they just have around there at LSU – He's going to be a first-round pick at left tackle one day. So her just can't yeah. get on the field right now because LSU has two really good offensive linemen that are just right above him in the depth chart. He can't get on the field. He's really darn good, but the guy that he is behind happens to be a future first-round pick. The other guy out there is also going to be a guy that gets drafted. So he he's looking for a place where he can actually really showcase his talent. And it's also something to note, too, like when he went to go prepare to hit the portal, Matt Zenitz reported for us at 24-7 that LSU staff was like, whoa, whoa, hold on. Like, 
let's sit down and let's talk about this. This is around Christmas. They're like, look, let's get together and really map out a plan and make sure we cover all of our bases before you make this decision. And he still opted to hit the transfer portal, even though LSU wanted him to stay very badly because while they think he is a special player, there's just not a path for him to get on the field as much as he deserves. And that's why he's the former five-star who's rightfully highly covered in the portal right now. We'll keep an eye on it. Uh, again, be sure to subscribe. Keep up with us. Just the latest, you know, topsy-turvy recruitment of uh, a highly touted player. And uh, Colin's been all over it, and we'll continue to uh, keep an eye on it. Certainly be a huge get. They can find a way to do it. Like I said to be in the show, Nick Saban's retiring. What impact could that have potentially on Oklahoma? Because it's such a big thing, this bombshell in college football, the ripple effects of it. We're kind of start to get into that a little bit now with Terrence Ferguson. So he's the other big one that's kind of hanging out there. Alabama offensive line. Oklahoma in on how realistic is it? Does the Nick Saban aspect have any change here? Obviously, he's already in the portal. Just kind of outline uh, Terrence Ferguson's recruitment here and if you think the Sooners have a shot at uh, landing him. Yeah, another really highly touted, former highly rated offensive lineman. This guy's a guard, 6'4", 320. Alabama wanted to have him stick around, and I, I think that's where you start because you mentioned Nick Saban. Alabama wanted Terrence Ferguson to stay in the program. Mm. Upon him hitting the portal, I found it fascinating. Some of the initial intel that I gathered was, going to be honest with you, Colin, him going back to Alabama just kind of feels like something that's going to happen. here. So it's weird when you're talking about Oklahoma and Florida State and some big-name programs involved with an offensive lineman, and yet people are saying he might just go back to Alabama. Right. Well, then all of a sudden, Nick Saban just decides to throw us all for a loop, probably <laughs> Terrence Ferguson included, and call it. Well, I noted it on our board last night. That, to me, is massive because that takes away what some felt was the most likely scenario for one of the highest-rated interior offensive linemen available for transfer. That's highly significant because I don't really know how Terrence Ferguson – opts to go back to an unplanned future at Alabama right now. So if you subscribe to that theory, which I personally do right now, you're you're down to two primary contenders. Florida State hosted him on a visit. That visit went very well, but it was also kind of similar to Hurd in that he left Florida State, and I was told, like, I don't know, you know, Alabama could still be a thing. He wants to go check out Oklahoma. And then he visits OU. And I'm going to be honest, like I had a source text me like, I don't know, maybe not a lot of smoke with that fire. And then he takes that trip and suddenly Oklahoma's like, may just have a shot here. This, this might actually kind of turn the tide in our favor. And then the Saban news drops. And then late last night, I'm getting texts, and I think that Oklahoma is still in it. I would probably lean Florida State as we record on this Thursday afternoon, early afternoon. <laughs> yeah. But you never know. You know, you just you just never know. 
there's a lot of weird stuff that I've heard here on the Terrence Ferguson front. Just some weird variables that I think, again, kind of have to be sorted through. But this is another as well that people believe should be wrapped up. And it, it could literally close maybe even as we're recording or by the time that this publishes. So Oklahoma felt a lot better out of the visit. I think Florida State still feels really good. And if you're forcing me to make a pick right now on this Thursday afternoon, I would lean the Seminoles' direction for sure. But again, you always gotta you gotta factor in the counterpunch when you're covering recruiting. So let's see what Oklahoma can accomplish. Maybe they can try and fight off the seminal surge here. But again, I think that Oklahoma, in a world where there was a lot going on, it mm. put its best foot forward with Terrence Ferguson. Things were trending in the right direction, but sometimes there's a lot of ground to cover, and you're kind of still in that ground covering aspect of all this. So piggybacking, you know, off of that, we, we mentioned at the top, you know, the ripple effects for Oklahoma with Nick Saban retirement. You mentioned the Seminoles are, are probably your pick as of now for Terrence Ferguson. The Alabama job is open um, for the first time yeah. in a long time. It's a very coveted job. A big candidate for that in a lot of people's mind is Mike Norvell. What if Mike Norvell takes the job? Does that change the Terrence Ferguson uh, aspect of it? You think it certainly probably would have a chance to at least, depending on who they then they then, in turn, bring his new head coach. Another major candidate that's obviously been floating around a whole lot is Mr. Steve Sarkeesian down the road there in Austin. If he goes and Texas suddenly has an opening, the impact that could have on Oklahoma. Can you even put into context the possibilities here for Oklahoma? Because obviously Oklahoma's – Brent Venables is not taking the job. He's here. We know that. But the direction they go and who they get their coach from – could severely have an impact on Oklahoma positively, maybe negatively. It's it's kind of crazy, and it's going to be wild to see how it all shakes out when that hire does get made. So, okay, let's talk big picture here for a second because I think this is fascinating. I will never forget after Kirby Smart himself, a former staffer at Alabama, Kirby wins his first national championship at Georgia. And one of the very first things he said and talked about right after winning the national championship, I believe it was on a talk show or something, Matt Luke, who was the offensive line coach at Georgia at the time, people might remember him. He was like the interim head coach at Ole Miss for a while, really highly regarded guy and a very good offensive line coach. Matt Luke retired like almost immediately after Georgia winning the championship. And everyone was like, whoa, how does, why does that happen? And again, I can't stress this enough. One of the first things that Kirby Smart is talking about after winning a title of all things is how the new age of the sport is going to completely change the way that coaching is handled. There are going to be a lot of guys that leave the sport out of the blue because they can't put up with all these different variables. And all of a sudden, Kirby Smart is incredibly right, believe it or not. I think he's one of the smartest dudes in football. We've had a lot of coaches in basketball, football, and now the greatest of all time shock us all and just be like, I'm done. But because of that new age in college football, we've talked about this when we kind of broke down the A&M job and the impact it has on Oklahoma. Now more than ever in the new age of college football, guys, our programs, especially regional programs, 
more intertwined than ever before. I mean, you're talking about because of the relational aspect and the transfer portal and the high level of dollars and cents that are being flown around here with name, image, and likeness and these programs that are typically in football hotbeds. Mm -hmm. If a job comes open or a coach decides to leave, you legitimately have to start combing through depth charts because a 30-day transfer portal window hits for those players alone. And chances are a lot of dudes on that roster, you are not only recruiting heavily, but you may have come up just short of before. And I'm looking at guys like if you're Oklahoma, I'm sitting there saying, okay, how does this impact with Terrence Ferguson, Jordan Renaud, right? Yeah. Like there are dudes on this Alabama roster that are very relevant to discuss when you're talking about not just Oklahoma, but the entire South Central and did the you country. Yeah. Uh, did you see Josh Isosa tweeting at Casey Poe a little bit? A little bit there. <laughs> yeah. Well? That's another thing. It's like these recruits, Oklahoma was right there for Casey Poe. And now, what happens? I believe Casey's first tweet after Saban was just, wow, period. And <laughs> what do you do with that? I know that you're probably picking up the phone, right? And so, yeah, I think that, again, first off, I totally understand why Saban made this decision out of the blue. He probably doesn't want to deal with some of the stuff that we're talking about because it's still mm. present, though. Now, if you're Oklahoma-like, you're facing a whole other window that might legitimately help build you your roster. Because if some more Bama guys hit the portal, and our own John Tolte of Bama 24-7 reported that Bama players were told the moment that Saban announced his retirement, wait 72 hours to make your decision. I'm not good at math. I'm not going to tell you what hour we're into that 72 window. But it's, it's winding down. I mean, we're getting close to the time where a lot of these guys are going to start making decisions get nancy yeah so look man it, it, it this is something if you're oklahoma you're monitoring very closely because oh you know let's say mike norvell stays and like a terrence ferguson goes to florida state well what happens if like i don't know like one of my favorite interior offensive linemen in the country and Jaden roberts who pardon my french just whoops people's asses every single time he's on the field what happens if that dude hits the portal? I'm going all in on it, right? Yeah. And everyone else in the country is. And then there's like this whole other discussion we have to get into. Because these programs are more intertwined than ever before, as you mentioned, now you have to figure out how these relationships and that aspect of it all impacts you in a world where someone else leaves a different program for that job. Steve Sarkeesian rumors are swirling. We can have a whole debate, Josh, on this podcast just about whether or not he should take that job. <laughs> I personally am of the stay in Austin, Texas, Mr. Sark, if you know what's good for you. But let's say he he takes that position. I mean, if there again, if there are programs that are battling it out for recruits more than Oklahoma and Texas, it may be Oklahoma and Texas A&M, right? So – a move like Sark hitting the Bama changes things entirely when you think about how many guys on that roster Oklahoma was recruiting. Florida State, kind of the same measure. Kalen DeBoer is a name that floats out there for the Alabama job. That's not necessarily one that you're 
too invested in if you're like in Oklahoma, for example. But again, like this is something that fans, I'm sure, or if they're not thinking about it right now, they should be. They're probably already doing all of this math because, again, with the way that college football is structured, one major move, especially not too far down the road from you, basically, completely changes the way you need to perceive your offseason and roster building. And so yeah, I think Saban stepping away from the sport is not only obviously like some of the biggest news that we've seen in a decade, but this is now the, the number one talent composite roster in America getting ready to potentially face open season. What does that mean for OU? We might be getting ready to find out. It's crazy. And um, yeah, the meltdown in Austin, Texas, will say if Steve Sarkeesian leaves the Bama job will be insane. And like you said, feeding friends on Alabama's roster. And then even if they hire somebody that can keep it in place, wherever that guy came from now, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just mayhem. If it is Mike Norvell, Florida State's roster all of a sudden comes open season. If Sarkeesian goes, who, who stays put from Texas? Obviously, Quinn Ewers announced today that he is going to stay at Texas. So <laughs> Steve Sarkeesian goes to Alabama. Does Arch Manning look to follow? I mean, the, the ripple effects are insane. Lane Kiffin's been a name that's been floated around. We talked just a, a few minutes ago about the transfer portal class that Ole Miss has put together. They've dominated the portal. What happens to that if Lane Kiffin ups and goes to Alabama? Do all those guys re-hit the portal and you start over? It's it's crazy, and it's uh, a lot of fun, and we'll be all over it. We pray for our Bama site, guys. Coaching searches are, no, are, are just insane. Um, yeah. we, we did it. Obviously, this site didn't exist yet, but we did it in Oklahoma a couple years ago, and uh, it was a lot. And pray for our guy, our buddies uh, Chip and everybody at the at Horns Twenty Four Seven. If that's the way that goes over there, um, yep. it's crazy because it, it is. There's not that many programs and jobs that, when they become open, just completely throws the whole sport into a tailspin the way that Nick Saban retiring suddenly at Alabama did yesterday. And it's going to be crazy to watch how it unfolds and. Uh, they're making uh, January is supposed to be, you know, kind of a, a slower month, a more boring month, and it, it's it's not it's not right now. It's it's mm. chaos and it's great. So we we sleep in the summer, I guess. I, I guess I, maybe. I mean, that's maybe. when all the recruiting stuff kicks back up. <laughs> I, I don't know. Get it's your sleep when three, you can, folks. You know, three hundred sixty-five days a year sport uh, now, and it it's awesome. It's love. I love it. So I think that's it for now. Again, be sure to subscribe to Oklahoma.247sports.com, SoonersIllustrated.com. Take it the same place. Tons of transfer portal intel is there. Also, staffing stuff. There's been some stuff we didn't really get into on the show today, but there's been some staff kind of movements. There's a Board of Regents meeting also coming up on Friday that I think our own Tom Marine is planning to get out to, so be sure to keep up with that. Some intel coming out of that. We're still waiting on Zach Alley to be officially announced as the new D.C. No hang-ups there, but... There are, I mean, there are hangups, but nothing in terms of him not getting the gig. We'll be sure to follow up with that more. Again, if you keep up with the site and subscribe, you'll, you're already up to date on all this stuff. So it's, it's a great uh, reason right there alone to subscribe, jump, jump aboard, and uh, be sure you know what's going on with Oklahoma, both recruiting, portal, staff, team. We got you. We got you. I think that's it for now. CK, we'll catch you next week, man. Uh, great stuff. And Good luck. Uh, I, I believe in you with the portal. It, it's crazy times, but I, I believe in you. Good luck. My luck. I'm going to be at camp 
in Houston this weekend. I'm going to drive all the way down there, and then someone's going to decide to pop during my four-hour drive, and I'm going to be sitting on the highway trying to – Oh, guaranteed. That's the word of the portal. Recruiting's still going. But, hey, again, for 60% off still, folks, you can reap the benefits of my personal turmoil. So go ahead and subscribe. (laughs) Weather going to be as uh, crappy down there as it is up here? Here, where I live in DFW specifically, it's going to be 23 degrees for a high on Tuesday. That's hot compared to up here. That's hot. We have some negatives that are touching the – or uh, some lows that are touching the negatives coming up. I'm. It's still uh, It's still going to make me cry either way. So <laughs> it's uh, not looking forward to it. Yeah, no fun. No fun at all. All right, that's it. We'll catch you guys next week. We're back on Monday. Tom, James, get back in here. Recap the weekend uh, for OU Hoops. Big game in Lawrence on Saturday. Obviously, all the latest on the portal. We'll get into it. Any other team news, we'll discuss, obviously, at length on Monday's program. Be sure to catch and uh, tune in then, both here on the podcast front or if you're watching on YouTube, on the YouTube channel. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, leave a review. Wherever you're watching or listening, really helps us out. Need that stuff um, big time. That's it for now. For Colin Kennedy, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys Monday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated Podcast.